All right, who's ready to hear the word today? Just for a few minutes. I'm not going to take too much time, but who's really ready to hear the word, to get the word, and to walk with the word? Praise God. Um, first of all, Pastor Andrew, Pastor Chantel, thank you for, you know, just letting me take the time to share the word, just reaching out to me and just giving me the opportunity to be up here. I really do appreciate it. Um, it's not easy to be up here, and it's definitely not easy to just let anybody come up here, and I appreciate that you, you know, trust me enough to share the word of God, so thank you. If you've got your Bibles, I would like us to turn to uh, Acts chapter 2, and we're going to read from verse 42 to 47. Acts chapter 2, verse 42 to 47. So if you have your Bibles, you can turn there. If you don't have your Bibles, there's a wonderful app that you can use on your phone called Uversion, which is pretty much just a Bible app. You can download that, and it has access to many different versions of the Bible. So today I'm going to be reading from the English Standard Version, ESV. Uh, (laughs) um, So it's Acts chapter 2, verse 42 to 47. Praise God. The Bible says, And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, and the fellowship, and the breaking of bread, and the prayers. And awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all, as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple, together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people, and the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. Thanks be to God. This is a wonderful scripture. It's, it's, it talks about the early church um, and how people were behaving when they first got integrate, integrated into church um, versus how they behaved when they became maturely integrated into church. Praise God. You know, I remember, um, you know, I was baptized when I was 12, and my faith let's say, wasn't consolidated until I was about 17. And, <laughs> and I remember around that time, you know, I had, my, um, I had a lot of, like, friends who I was really close with. And, you know, what are those words that our grandparents use? You know, we were hoodlums and vagabonds and ragamuffins and all them something there. And, like, you know, our jeans were, like, down to here. And it was, it was tall tea day, you know? Remember those, 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 those tall teas? So we had those, and we would run around town, and that's how we were dressed, and that's how we were. And, you know, I started attending this church, and this is the church where my faith would eventually be consolidated. And one thing that was very interesting to me, because I couldn't quite put my finger on it, was that people were really reaching out to me, because they really wanted me to be a part of what they were doing. And it wasn't so much that they wanted me to be a part of what they were doing, as they wanted me as a person, as someone that they knew, as someone that they came to like, as someone who they had something in common with. They wanted me to be with them and and share in their understanding and their knowledge of Christ. And so I faced a little struggle because um, I was heavily connected to my friends. I was heavily connected to my fellow vagabonds and ragamuffins. You understand what I mean? And I remember in particular one day, I look back and I laugh. (laughs) And it was funny at the time too, but... You know, it wasn't a good thing, but this was the day when I was like, I gotta, I gotta, after I calmed down, I was like, I have to make a choice about how much more time I'm going to invest into my friends versus the church. 
because we were on the bus and we used to go to this youth group. Um, it was like funded by the city and that's where a lot of us met and it was really fun and it was, you know, it helped us to consolidate our friendships. And, you know, one day then when that was finished, we were on the bus and we were headed back downtown to do hoodlum vagabond things. And I was like, you know what, I'm going to go to church because there's youth service on Saturdays in the, in the afternoon. That's how it was back then. And I was like, I'm going to go to church, and then I'll meet up with you guys to thrash the city afterwards, okay? And they were like, nah, man. My friend Tyrone, who he's still a friend today, but he's over here, and I'm over here. You're going to see where I'm going in a sec. So my friend Tyrone, he was like, nah, man, just, just come with us. Fire for that church thing. Don't worry about that. Just come, just come with us. And I was like, nah, man, I'm going to church. I'm going to... And I pulled the cord on the bus to get off. And I'm, I stood up, and I'm walking away, and the man grabbed me. He's like, no, don't go to church. Just come chill. And I was like, loose from off me. What are you doing? And then I got off the bus, and I went to church. And it was funny, and we all laughed about it later. But the more I thought about it, the more it was like, yo, the man really didn't want me to go to church just so we could go do hoodlum vagabond things. And that's what we were cultivating, and that's what we were growing in, and that's what we were developing. It sounds like a joke, but trust me, it was like way worse than it sounds. You know, so that's the thing that we were cultivating. Now that versus the individuals who wanted me to get integrated in the church. Um, I remember particularly there was this youth leader, youth leader, excuse me, she was a little older than us. Her name was Bethia. Um, she was great. She was just wonderful as a person. She was welcoming. She was warm. And it was really suspicious to me because I wasn't from that welcoming, warm, like, why do you really, what have you to gain from my presence? What do you really need? What are you really trying to, what's the secret? You know what I mean? But the truth was that she was just open and she would often open her homes for people to come and not even necessarily talk about the word. Somehow, some way, we would always talk about the word. We would always learn about the word. Um, but the reason why she was opening her home was just for us to hang out, was just for us to be there, was just for us to... And it was me, and it was this particular dude named Arnold. Me and him ended up becoming close friends because uh, of this atmosphere that she facilitated. You understand what I mean? So what I eventually made the choice to do was to get disconnected from my ragamuffin bridge in them, and let them keep doing what they were doing, and not with any enmity or, or, or discord or anything like that, but to consciously tell myself that I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have to disconnect from these guys so that I can get connected to something that's better for me. Praise God. I wanted to get connected to something that was better for me. And I think it was up there earlier. The title of this message is Get Connected. Praise God. Let's dig into some of this scripture and try and understand what it says. The Bible says in Acts chapter 2, And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship and the breaking of bread and the prayers. Point number one, the apostles' teaching. If you have a pen uh, or some sort of mobile device that facilitates writing, then use that. If you can take notes, um, I think it might be good for you to go back on this later and study it. Uh, so point number one, is the apostles' teaching. And so right away, the thing that we see, the context behind this scripture is that the church had just begun. The church had just begun. The church had just started, and people were being born again. The first sermon that preached 
was preached in the presence of 120 people that had already been serving Christ. And when the, service was, uh, when the sermon was finished being preached, 3,000 people gave their lives to Christ. Do you understand what I mean? The apostle Peter preached in the presence of 120 disciples and thousands of other people, and 3,000, more than 3,000 of those people gave their lives to the Lord. So immediately, the church was born, and it was huge. So the context behind this scripture is that they're witnessing miracles, and they're seeing the way things are going, and they're seeing the way that Christ is kind of building a community for them, in them, and with them. You understand what I mean? And one of the key things that helped them to understand the church and Christ and the lifestyle that they were living in was the apostles' teaching. The teaching that the apostles were giving them were showing them everything that Christ had done, the purpose behind everything Christ had done, and what the things that Christ had done, um, how those things were going to affect their lives going forward. And when they were able to believe those things, when they were able to get those things into their minds, they were able to practice them. They were able to live them out. Do you understand what I mean? So what we need to do is disconnect from the old way of thinking and connect to the new way of thinking. The old way of thinking is pretty much to live however you had lived before you were born again. For me, the old way of thinking was to be baptized and then to continue living however I wanted to live and be a ragamuffin and a hoodlum and all them things. To continue living like that until Christ confronted me and told me that I had to make a choice about whether or not I wanted to be serious about what it is that he was trying to give me, which was new life, as opposed to that old life from which I wasn't gaining anything. I can tell you the truth with a little sorrow. Some of my friends, they're still like that today. They're not really doing anything. They're not really moving forward. And it's because they don't have any goal, any purpose. They don't have anything in life for which they strive. They don't have a concept or an understanding that this life is the foundation on top of which you'll understand a greater life. You understand what I mean? But I have that because of the teaching that I received at the church that I was attending and from the people who I was with. You understand what I mean? So God used these people to get us to understand him. God used these people to get me to understand him. He used these people to get me to understand um, what he wanted for me, what he desired for me. And through that, I was able to change my life. And through that, I was able to um, change the lives of the people around me just by example. But because I leaned on that teaching of the apostles, which, to make it clear, this is what we teach today. When you see us standing up here, when you see Pastor Andrew standing up here, Pastor Chantel standing up here, and we preach, we have not diverged from the word of God. We only preach the word of God. We only preach what was given to us. We only preach that was which was given to us by eyewitnesses who saw him and witnessed him, witnessed his resurrection, heard his teaching. So that is what we take and that is what we use. The Bible says, awe came on every soul and many signs and wonders were being done through the apostles. When it's talking about signs and wonders, it's talking about miracles, it's talking about healing, it's talking about all these wonderful things. But I don't want you to think that it's just miracles and healing because signs and wonders can also um, be attributed to the change of your life, to the change of your character, to the change of your outlook and your perspective. That's a wonder. People generally don't change. You know, as, as bad as that might sound, generally people do not change. Generally, once you reach a certain age, your character points are your character points and your perspective is your perspective and your outlook is your outlook. And there's no reason for you to change that because you made it this far. <laughs> do you understand what I mean? 
So generally that doesn't happen. But once you get Christ into your life and you start to understand why Christ is in your life, then you start to change, not of your own volition, but because of the spirit of the living God that's inside of you, changing you, conforming you to the standard of Christ Jesus. If you've been in church for a while and you notice you're not changing, I have two suggestions for you. Either pay attention to what's going on in your church and acclimate to that, or pay attention to what's going on in your church and get out of that church. Do you understand what I mean? Because once you're in Christ, the teaching that Christ has handed down to his apostles, it should radically transform your life. It should radically transform your character, your perspective, and it should radically transform the things around you. And the people around you should be influenced by that radical transformation. So the teaching of the apostles is something so key and so pivotal that we can't stand to look away from it. You understand what I mean? The best way that we can facilitate um, the teaching of the apostles is with one another. The best way that we can understand it. The Bible says in Acts chapter 17 uh, that the, it says specifically, the men of Berea were of more noble character than those of Thessalonica. Amen. And they went away after hearing the preaching, I'm going to paraphrase, they went away after hearing the preaching of the apostles to study so that they could know whether or not these things were true. Yeah. So they went away to study if they were hearing correctly. If what the things that the apostles were saying was true. If scripture matched what the apostles were saying. And when they found out that it was true, what happened to them? They grew. They grew. They were edified. So disconnect from the old way of thinking and connect to the new. That's point number one. Point number two, fellowship. The Bible says, and they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship. Fellowship uh, comes from a Greek word, koinonia, K-O-I-N-O-N-I-A. This word koinonia, it, it's very conceptual. It means fellowship, but it also means contribution. And it also means sharing. You understand? So the aspect of fellowship is so key in church And it's so alarming that in this day and age that church fellowship is neglected. What tends to happen is that, in general, we shuffle into church 10, 15 minutes late, and then we rush home. And we don't get it in with anybody. We don't know who we're around. We don't know who we're with. We don't learn what it is that we have in common. We don't learn what it is that's important. Why are we all here? Why are you all here sitting here listening to me right now? Talk about what? You understand what I mean? We don't learn that. And because of that, it doesn't come, become important to us. And because of that, whatever teaching we get on these Sundays, whatever teaching of the apostles, whatever teaching that comes from the altar, we can't necessarily practicate it in our lives because we don't see it changing other people's lives. We don't see how it could possibly change our lives because we have no example. You understand what I mean? But oftentimes, if we would just connect with one another, we would see what God is doing in each other's lives. The early church devoted themselves to the apostles' fellowship. They were all together and had all things in common. What it means to have all things in common doesn't necessarily mean that, you know, everything that you like is stuff that I'm going to like. You understand what I mean? My wife is here somewhere. There she is. Me and her don't like anything the same. Me and her don't like anything the same. We can't watch the same TV programs. We can't listen to the same music. She's always trying to get me to eat green stuff. Like... 
We don't like anything that has anything to do with anything. Do you understand what I mean? But we did find some things in common that eventually led to us getting married. Wink, wink. How you doing? Nice to see you. You understand what I mean? So we were able to utilize those things to cultivate a relationship. It's really simple. Now in the church, you can find the same thing. Let me tell you something. An accountant can walk in and sit here, and a sumo wrestler can come in and walk in and sit down beside him. And I promise you, those people probably won't have anything to talk about. An accountant and a sumo wrestler. They probably won't have anything to talk about. But when they start to talk about the thing that they have in common here, when they start to talk about the Christ who saved both of them, the Christ who changed both of their lives, the Christ who changed both of their characters, then they're going to realize that they definitely have something in common. Tell me if that makes sense. Praise God. The accountant can say, you know what? It's very easy for me to crunch numbers the way I want to crunch numbers so that I can get some extra cut. But I can't do that because Christ moves my mind away from that kind of corruption. The sumo wrestler can say it's very easy for me to desecrate my own honor and throw this fight because I know that if I do, I'm going to get paid extra. But I can't do that because it goes against the things that Christ is working inside of me. You understand what I mean? This Christ changed our nature irrevocably. And the way that we know that, the way that we learn that, the way that we're strengthened by that change is by hearing that it's not only taking place in us. If I hear that it's happening to you and to you and to you, it's going to make me feel encouraged. It's going to make me feel like, hey, we're doing something real here. It's not just me. It's not just me taking these words and saying, hey, let me apply this to my character. It's not just that. There's something spiritual happening here because we're united by one Holy Spirit who's strengthening us and empowering us and edifying us. He's letting us use gifts. All of us are being able to use our gifts. For what purpose? So that we can look nice using our gifts? So that our gifts can be flashy and fun and attractive? No, the Bible says that the gifts of the Holy Spirit are for the edification of the church. Praise the Lord. So that's point number two, fellowship. That's the whole point, fellowship. You got to do that. It's very important in so many aspects because um, it's, it's, and I want to make it clear, when I'm talking about fellowship, um, it's not necessarily, you know, just hanging out. It's hanging out with that intent, that intent to understand that you have the same joy, understand that you're on the same path, understand that you have the same purpose. It's good to hang out. But when we as Christians hang out, this is the type of thing that should get stirred up inside of us. This is the type of thing that should build us. Praise God. Praise God. So point number three, breaking of bread. And And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship and to the breaking of bread. Breaking of bread. And this has to do with um, a lot of very simple concepts that we find in the Bible. Specifically, um, a lot of times when they were talking about breaking of bread, they were talking about when they had their final supper with Christ. He broke bread. He gave thanks. And uh, they distributed that among one another. And he said, this is my body. He was trying to tell them that you're one inside of me if you take of this. Does anybody know what that means? If you eat that bread of Christ's body, symbolically, you have portion with Christ. You ever hear you are what you eat? So if you take in some of Christ, now you are some of Christ. And you're a part. You are a part of the body of Christ. Does that make sense? So now us who, who, who break bread and we fellowship with one another and we get those teachings... When we bring all of this together, what happens? We're edified, we're made stronger, and we're able to do things that we weren't able to do before. 
So now we can yield some fruit. Specifically, what I want to touch on when I'm talking about the breaking of bread is the kind of things that we're able to do, the kind of things that the church, the early church, was able to do amongst each other because of this unity that they had in Christ. The Bible says, And they were all selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. So as long as there was a need in church, as long as anybody in the church had a need, that need would be taken care of no matter what. That need would be eliminated. Why? Because we all have one common purpose. We all have one expectancy from Christ. We are a community. We are a divine institution from God. And it's not fitting for us to let any level or portion of that community suffer for any reason. My possessions don't matter as much as your well-being matters. You understand what I mean? What I have doesn't matter as, long as, 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 as much as your peace of mind matters. You understand what I mean? We've had so many examples just in the nine months that we've been here. There was, I remember, sorry, I remember um, uh, from the altar, somebody gave a prayer request that they need the rent paid. It was really simple. They, they weren't able to pay their rent. And after service, I was in the foyer and someone came up to me and they said, hey, uh, that person who needs their rent paid, I, I just want to take care of that. Wow. Really simple. It seems profound. It seems like... Uh, something supernatural it's it is supernatural in that christ has changed your character enough for you to say that this is something that i should do but it's also supposed to be simple in that your entirety is changed you're part of church this should come natural to you you know i'm not saying everybody sell everything they have and but i'm saying if everybody has a need yo look how many of us there are if one person in here has a need just this number right here should be able to help that need out and the apostles and the early church they understood that with the 3,000 people they had. So some people had small needs and they took care of that. Some people had big needs and they sold stuff so they could take care of that. Because of how important it was to them that everybody be able to progress in their knowledge and understanding of Christ. That nobody be hindered in understanding the teachings that the apostles were trying to give. That nobody be hindered in relating to the fellowship and the things that they had in common because of cares and worries that were outside of their understanding of the way church was supposed to function. Does this make sense? Yes. So, um, the breaking of bread, is, it's, it's pivotal in us being the church because it doesn't just entail sharing food, it doesn't just entail sharing drink, but it entails giving. It entails, it entails doing. It entails doing for those who are in need, for those who have uh, something that needs to be taken care of. We should be able to do that if we're really being regenerated by the Spirit of the living God. Praise God. Yes. Point number four. The prayers. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship and to the breaking of bread and the prayers. Praise God. The Bible says, and day by day, attending the temple, together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people, and the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. Praise God. A lot of the things that we do in church are very practical and very intentional, and they have to be practical, and they have to be intentional. But what we also cannot neglect is a strong prayer life. Let me tell you something. If you don't have a strong prayer life, the quickest way to solve that is to link up with someone who does have a strong prayer life and tell them that you don't have a strong one, but you need to. 
Because we need to have a strong prayer life. God's not going to change hearts because of our practicality. God's not going to change hearts because of our simple understanding of the word. God's not going to change hearts because of the wisdom with which we bring across the word. Because of the understanding with which we bring across the word. We're going to put all those things there. We're going to put that seed there. And somebody else is going to water that seed. But it's going to be God who gives the increase. So as to show whether or not that person can be born again. So as to show whether or not that person will be born again. And changed and transformed. And we have to pray so that the Lord of the harvest will give workers so that the harvest can be made manifest. We have to pray so that um, those souls can be saved. We have to pray for those things. We have to have a strong prayer life. We have to be people who are involved in each other's prayer lives. We have to be people who pray for one another. We have to be people who intentionally Ask simple questions like, yo, are you doing good? How are things? Not how are things like, you know, it's always, how are you? Good, dope. And then everybody's gone about it. But really just asking without being too invasive or if you feel like you need to be invasive because you feel like somebody's in danger, yo, then do that. This is the church. We're family. We're brothers. We're sisters. We're a community that need from each other. You understand what I mean? We have to have a prayer life that says, hey, listen, Do you need prayer? Do you have something in specific that you would like me to pray for? Only then are we going to be able to grow and be edified. And with that, we're going to be able to be encouraged, making our requests known to God and knowing that God has the power to grant those requests, knowing that God hears our prayers, knowing that God can strengthen us by carrying those prayers out and making them manifest. In this thing, we'll be edified. We'll be comforted. We'll be able to grow. Praise God. It's important that we pray for one another, that we care for one another, that we look out for one another's needs and everything of that manner. So the points were the apostles' teaching, fellowship, breaking bread, and the prayers. So you have to find yourself connected in each one of these things. If you don't understand what's being taught on the altar, then find someone who does understand or find the pastors or find anybody and ask them to explain it to you. You understand what I mean? If you're not connected to anybody in fellowship, then get connected. You understand what I mean? If you are not breaking bread with anybody, if you are not um, being able to give, and if nobody's able to give to you, address that. And the church will address it in response. And if you're not praying for anybody, pray for someone. Be prayed for. Um, The only way we can disconnect from the old things that were not giving us life is to connect to the new things. That give us life. We must learn to connect not only to the church, but to one another the way the people of the early church did. Listen, the way that these people were able to connect to one another was again by having something very unique in common that salvation. The way that they were able to connect is by knowing that they all had one thing in common one Savior who had saved all of their souls. Jesus Christ, who died on the cross was buried, was resurrected, and commissioned these apostles to make disciples out of all those people who heard this message and believed it. So if we're all here right now, it's because either we understand that, or because God has brought us into this place because he wants us to understand it. If you're here today, and you're hearing this message about getting connected to the things of the church, about getting connected to teaching and prayer and fellowship, is because God somehow, some way wants you integrated into that understanding of the gospel of Jesus Christ, which has the power to save your soul from eternal damnation. Praise the Lord. So I want to encourage us to 
in every level of church society, in every level, level of church community, just get connected with what you can and what you have. Praise God. Praise God.